Thanks for listening to the Grace Hill Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. For more information about Grace Hill, follow us on social media at gracehill901 or visit gracehill901.com. What I wanted to do today is I want to make sure that we all understand the biblical context for the vision that we have here at Grace Hill. I want to make sure that everybody here understands the heart behind it because understanding the heart behind the vision, understanding the the why behind the vision is maybe one of the most important components to our vision that we have. Because if you don't understand this, this is what I think is going to happen. Over the summer, over over the fall, and then into the winter and into next year and all these things, you're going to find yourself frustrated because every decision that we make comes back to the vision. And the vision helps to guide our decision-making. This summer, we're going to do a message series called Closer. Uh, It's out of the Psalms of Ascent. We're going to take the first few Psalms of Ascent and start there. And probably next summer, come back and finish them up as a 2.0 version of that series. Uh, In August, I'm really excited about the sermon series we're going to do. I love doing a series every year on relationships. And so this year, the sermon series we're going to do on relationships, just how to be a better friend and be in relationships with people is I love this title. I stole it from a book. I wish I could claim credit for it, but I stole it from a book. I'd like you more if you were more like me. That's going to be the series we're going to do in August. But then in September, we're going to start a big vision series out of the book of Nehemiah. And we're going to come right back to the vision. And we're going to continue to talk about this because I believe our vision is important. I believe our vision is critical to who we are. And so we're going to spend a lot of the fall in the book of Nehemiah. And our vision that we have as a church isn't just some cute phrase that we put on some cold conference room in our church. It isn't some just cute little poster that we design and hang up and, you know, it's something that we reference once a year. Our vision is helping to guide and to shape. It is what I I said, I've said this before, it's the lifeblood of our church. And so we're going to jump right into this biblical context of where does this vision come from. And if you're here and you're like, well, what is the vision? I'm going to get to it in just a minute. Just hang tight with me for for a minute. But if you have your Bible or if you brought your phone or iPad or something you want to follow along, you can go to the YouVersion app. Uh, At the bottom of the YouVersion app, you find a little thing that says more. Open it up. It'll say events. And then once events opens up, you'll find Grace Hill Church if you're... um, If your uh, location services are turned on, you can follow along, everything there. You can track with us, know everything that's going on this morning. But if you have a Bible or if you want to just follow along in a Bible app, I'm going to be in Luke 9.23. And Jesus said these words. I love the Gospels and I love the words of Jesus because Jesus is our model for everything. And so we look to Jesus and I love the words that Jesus said. He says this. Verse 23 of chapter 9 in Luke, he says this, Then he said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. The implication here is this is that if you are truly going to follow Jesus, it's going to require something from you. If you are going to rightly and accurately follow Jesus, it will not be passive. It will not be circumstantial. But if you are going to follow Jesus, it will require something of you to follow Jesus. He wants to make sure that his people 
that are gathered around him in this moment understand what's at stake. That if you're going to do this, if you're going to do this, you have to know what you're getting yourself into. And if you're going to do this, you have to know that it's going to cost you something. And if you're going to do this, you're going to have to know that this is not going to be a once a week kind of thing. It's an everyday thing. And what I love about Jesus is that he has always been and he always will be countercultural. Jesus gets to the heart of the issue and the problem that was at the heart and the issue of culture 2,000 years ago, and he gets to the heart and the issue in 2018. He speaks directly to it for every single one of us, whether we're bold enough and, and honest enough with ourselves to admit it. Jesus gets to the core issue in this passage of Scripture, and his whole ministry modeled this. The core issue in humanity, the core issue in your life, the core issue in my life, in our children's life is this. It's going to be on the screen. My own way. Every relationship problem that we have is because one person in the relationship didn't get their way. Every failed friendship you've ever had has come back to this problem. The tension that you have with God as you're here today is because there's something that happened in your life or something you expected to happen and it didn't go the way that you wanted it to go. And Jesus right here in 2018, the words that Jesus spoke are still speaking true today. Now, I expect selfishness in my kids. Why? Because they're kids. And usually in our home, we don't discipline for selfishness. What we try to do is we try to correct, we, we try to mold, we try to shape, we try to redirect, we try to show them a better way. Why? Because it's in every single one of our nature. And when we see it in kids, it's normal, isn't it? Selfishness in kids, man, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine, that's mine, I want it, I want it, I want it. You see, what happens when we get adults is we just, we get more subtle in how we can say it, right? We, we, we just learn our vocabulary a little bit better to disguise our selfishness. And when it rears its ugly head in adults, it's so shocking. And when we see selfishness in a church, it becomes appalling. And many of you are here today, and at some point in your life, if you've been following Jesus for a while and you've been closely associated with a church, you've probably been hurt by a church. And you're carrying the wounds of selfish people who've abused and misused power, authority, position, whatever it may be. And I want you to know if you're here today and that's been a barrier for you to God because somebody held a position and they misused that position in authority to get their own way and to have their selfishness enacted, I want to apologize to you because that is not the way of Jesus. It is not the way of Jesus. And so I, I believe I believe so hard, wholeheartedly in, in what Jesus is saying here. Because what Jesus does is he hooks desire. If any of you, he, he's extending it. Hey, if, if you want to do this, this is what you need to know. And, and I love it. He hooks it from, from desire to following him to a decision of surrender. You must give up your own way. And then not only does he link it to desire, 
and then a decision to surrender, but then he links it to a frequency. This isn't an ever so often, this isn't a once in a while thing. Jesus says you must take up your cross daily. Man, I wish he hadn't said that. I wish he'd have just left it at you must take up your cross. Well, I can do that every once in a while. But Jesus said you must take up your cross every single day. And I love the words of Jesus. And I love the vision that God has given this church because I see so much of the words of Jesus and the the vision that we have as a church marrying up together. And I believe the vision that God has given this church, I believe it is a God-given vision. And I believe the, the vision that God has given this church will inspire current people, current generations at this church. And I believe if we'll grab a hold of this vision, and if we'll run with this vision, it will not only inspire what currently happens in current people and current generations, but it will inspire future generations at this church. And so the first part of our vision statement, talking about a biblical context for our vision, is this, is that we will sacrifice everything we can't keep. Now when you read Jesus' words, you get a picture of that. If any of you wants to come follow me, you must give up your own way. You must sacrifice daily and take up your cross to follow me. And our vision comes right out and it just says, we will sacrifice everything we can't keep. And I recognize the embedded challenge and the tension that comes with that. Last fall, I was meeting with one of our leaders in the church, and we'd been wordsmithing this thing. Any of you guys who've ever worked in, you know, you know how important uh, uh, the words are. And man, we had been like, I mean, let's sub this word, and let's sub this word, and let's try this word, and maybe this word. Fits. I mean, we, we knew the essence of it, but we just needed the language to come together. And I remember sitting down with one of our leaders in the church and, and pitching it to him and saying, hey, this is, this is what we're thinking. I want to I hear from you. What do you think about it? And they looked at me and they said, everything? And I said, Everything. And they said, you, you really mean everything? And I said, I really mean everything. And they said, are, are you sure? And I said, yes, because Jesus said, you must give up your own way. If you're going to follow Jesus, if you're going to f- follow him, part of following him is being a part of a local church, being engaged in Invested in a local church, you give up your own way. So then you say, well, what is everything? I mean, what does that mean? Well, we, it's been helpful for us to put it in four categories. I know there could be more, but for us, it's been helpful for us to put it into four categories. Why? Honestly, because I think these are the, the four categories that Scripture speaks to pretty clearly. And I think these are four categories that most get at the heart. They're kind of the dominoes. If we get these four things right... Everything else tends to fall into place. And those four categories are this. Our time, our talent, our finances, and our preferences. Our time, our talent, our finances, and our preferences. So what do you mean by time? What is time? What does sacrificing everything we can't keep, i.e. time, mean in our context? Well, here's what I believe. I no longer believe that I no longer believe that that finances are the greatest thing people can sacrifice. Where you are in your life right now, you may say, man, I can't can't sacrifice a penny right now. 
But by and large, most people cannot sacrifice their time. I see it on social media all the time. I see how busy people are on social media all the time, how hard they run. Time has become the most critical and most valuable asset we all possess. Time has become the most critical and valuable asset we all possess. And if you sacrifice your time for someone else, I mean, yesterday I needed help with something. I needed, we don't have a hitch on any of our vehicles. And I, need, I called a friend who had a hitch and I said, hey, I got a trailer. You got the hitch. Can you help me out? And, and, he, and he took an hour out of his day and I was just so blown away. It was so helpful because he gave up time away from his family. And, and when we right now as volunteers and leaders in this church are putting time in to this church, putting time into life groups, putting time into serving, putting time into creating and becoming, it makes a difference. I've been so moved the last few weeks because here's what I've noticed that shifted in our church in the last six months, and I've really seen it in the last few weeks. There are many weeks, and this is not a knock on any of our staff because all of our staff are working incredibly hard. But there are many weeks that go by where we have volunteers who are in this building or at their homes putting in as much, if not more time some weeks than even what some of our staff members do. They have become so invested in what God is doing in this church and they've seen their, their part. And they want to be a part of that. And they've seen the difference that it makes. It makes a huge, when you as an individual give up your time. I was on a, a call the other night with some of our first impression leaders. And, and there was a couple who said, hey, that's a big project. We'll just take it on. And I know how much time that's going to cost. There's going to be some financial resources that may have to go into that. But the most important aspect of that was the time invested to make it happen. When you invest time, when you give up, when you sacrifice time, it makes a massive impact. The second one is this, is talent. And I want to encourage every single person here. I believe that every single person in this building, every single person who calls Grace Hill Church their home church, I believe every single person is gifted by God. You are gifted in unique ways. You may not know what it is. You may not understand it yet. But I believe every single person in this church is uniquely gifted by God. It's amazing to me that as I see, we have an idea or a project that needs to be done. And a lot of times our staff are looking at each other going, I don't know how to do that. I don't, I don't know how to make numbers out of styrofoam. I mean, I have no clue how to do that. And God raises somebody up. He says, I can take care of that. We had a, a leak out here a few weeks ago, and the, the sheetrock paper was bubbling all, all away from the wall. I have no clue. You would never want me touching sandpaper and sheetrock mud. It's a disaster. And I made a phone call. And the other end of the phone, the guy said, yeah, I'll be there. And worked hours, hours to make it just right. There's a talent there. God has uniquely gifted every single person in this church to serve the local church in a unique way. The third one is this, is finances. And I know this one hits. And if you're here for the first time and you're just like, oh, man, he's talking about money. I mean, we don't apologize for talking about money. 
One of our core values is irrational generosity. It is who we are trying to become as a church. Germantown Elementary School has been affected by the irrational generosity of this church. Your children and your students and your grandchildren have been affected by the irrational generosity of the church. So we don't apologize for it. And I'm going to come back and I'm going to hit on this one in just a minute. But if you sacrifice your finances, the impact of that sacrifice is huge. The fourth one is this, preferences. I believe we see this. Jesus is getting to the heart of it right here. You must give up your own way. And this may be the the basket that catches them all is that we give up our preferences. If you sacrifice your preferences for someone else, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Did you know that there are people that actually attend this church who have preferences that would prefer to have things done a different way than the way that we currently do them? I mean, it's shocking. But you know what our leaders do at this church? Our leaders say, you know what? I'm going to give up what I prefer, what's comfortable, what's normal, what I've experienced. I'm going to give that up for the greater good of the vision of the church. You see, here's what happens. If we cater to preferences now, which is the easiest thing to do, if we cater to preferences now, it means we lose influence later. Because what we've done is we focused on the here and now instead of the future. And we're going to get to this part in our vision here in just a minute. But our vision keeps us focused on what's ahead and the faith of future generations. And a mark, a hallmark, a cornerstone, a critical piece of every single person who is following Jesus is the willingness to make a sacrifice of their own way. John, one of Jesus' closest friends and followers, he wrote these words. In 1 John chapter 3, he said this, We know that real love, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. Sacrifice. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Verse 18, dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. So what I want to do is I want to take John's words, let us show the truth by our actions. I want to give three action steps under this first part. Usually I would split these into two weeks and we would end just here in a minute, but we're going to conclude, we're going to wrap up the whole vision today. But, but I want to pause and I want to give you three clear action steps that come right out of this, the heartbeat of our vision and the context of the message today. The first one is this, we're just simply calling it 10 and 10. 10 and 10. You can write that down, take a picture of it with your phone, 10 and 10, I'll explain. I'm not sure if you know But we got a lot of kids and students running around this church. I mean, a lot. And and here's what I want to caution against, and I want to speak into the heart, hopefully, of every single person here. And here, I love you, but I want to speak into the heart of, of, of the blessing that that is for just a moment. We should never take that for granted. 
There are churches literally all over the city right now who are sitting in their staff meetings, in their leadership meetings, in every meeting that they can find to try to figure out how to reach the next generation. And we have them in our midst. Now, it's largely due just because a bunch of you guys are fertile and y'all all all drank the same Kool-Aid. But still, God has given us this gift. And I want to illustrate it this way. A couple of weeks ago, there was a big church survey that came out. It's a group called the Unstuck Group. Next to the Barner Group, they're probably one of the top leading church trend and culture research groups. And they released their big study. They do a quarterly report every quarter. And they released their big, their newest findings out of a thousand churches surveyed, this is what they found. That out of a thousand churches surveyed, the average adult to kid student attendance ratio was 81% adults to 19% kids and students. This is all churches, all shapes, all sizes, all denominations. But the average of a thousand churches was 81% kids to 19, uh, 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 81% adults to 19% kids and students. And I just want the next image to come up on the screen without me saying anything, and I just want you to look at it. That's ours. Fifty-seven percent of our attendance here is adults, and forty-three percent of our attendance here is kids and students. And over the last three years, we're putting all these numbers together and trying to look and see trends and and really try to make smart decisions for the future. Over the last three years, our attendance is steadily increasing year over year over year. And that number, here's what's amazing, that number's not shrinking, it's growing. God has given us an incredible opportunity to, to leverage and lean into the next generation. Literally, kids ministry at Grace Hill Church on Sunday morning has pushed into every available classroom that we have. And Kelly, my wife, who runs all of our family ministry here, our next-gen ministry, she told me this week, she said, you know what's going to have to happen after the summer, right? And I said, no, what? And she said, I'm going to have to open up another classroom. And she goes, I literally don't know where we're going to do it, where we're going to put it. Because our kids ministry is growing. And that is exciting. And here's what I want to do. We've got people spread out all over the place. But if you serve with kids and students in any way, I want you to stand up. If you serve in this church with kids and students in any way, I want you to stand up. Look at this. I bet easily half our congregation in this service, and it will be the same if not more in the next hour, is investing their lives week after week after week into the next generation. Can you just give them a round of applause? So here's what we need. This is why we're calling it 10 and 10. Because of the growth that we're experiencing in kids' ministry and the beauty of going to two services is you can serve an hour and worship an hour, this is the the spot that we're in. Over the summer and then moving into the fall, we need 10 new subs for preschool and 10 new subs for elementary. And you may say, hey, you know what? I'm terrible with kids. I'm awful with kids. Here's what I want to say to you. You can be good at anything for an hour or two hours a month. Did I just get an amen? That was awesome. You can be good at anything for an hour or two hours a month. And I'll say this, our preschool and elementary team make it about as easy on you to possibly serve as you can ever want it to be. And so here's what I want you to do. You know, take your phone out, everybody. Take your phone out, take a pen and paper, something, or just memorize it. But I want you to memorize this email address, kelly at gracehill901.com. And I want you to put in the subject line, 
I'll be one of the 10. Now, there are more than 20 of you in this room who do not serve with kids and students right now. Because I saw, I just had everybody stand up who did. We could literally, in this service this morning, take care of that. We could literally, in this service, take care of it. So I want you to do that. Sometime today, find Kelly after the service. Find one of the volunteers. Anybody wearing a You Matter shirt, for the most part, serves with kids and students. Find them. Say, hey, tell me about it. I want to learn more. And let's make a difference in that way. The, the, third, the second step is this. I want to say this. is Give financially. And I want to say I am so thankful for every single person here at Grace Hill who is giving generously and sacrificially. But here is what I know. The more people will give out of the generosity of their resources, the more great things that we can accomplish for Jesus through this church. Just last night after we went to this church, our staff was gathered up. We went to dinner. We kind of debriefed. We wanted to kind of hear all the things that we saw and all of that. And afterwards, I was standing around and talking with a couple of them, and, and they were inspired by what they saw. And if you've ever been to a conference or you've been, like, it's like man, you, you get all these ideas going. And, and, and we have ideas, you know, staff all the time talking about these things that we want to do. And resourcing parents and creating opportunities to help people follow Jesus more. There's, there's all this energy. But this is what two staff members told me last night. They say, I have huge dreams and huge ideas and plans for the ministry here at this church. We just need more resources to be able to do them. So here's what I want to challenge each one of you with this morning. is to go to this website, gracehill901.com slash give. And you're going to find all the information out there about how to give. You can text to give. You can set up recurring giving online. You can give in the back of the room with check or cash. And I'm going to speak a little boldly this morning, maybe more bold about finances than I ever have. I want to challenge every single person to do one of two things. Either begin to give or increase your giving. And as my family, I'll just say, just personal, just I'm walking through this myself. Our family is, is, is trying to figure out how we can make some sacrifices in our life and cut back in some areas in our life so that we can begin to make a more significant step in irrational generous giving, irrational generosity in our giving. And a couple of weeks, Kelly came to me and she said, hey, I, th I think I have the number. And this is not bragging. This is just to show you, like, it's a stretch, it's a step of faith. A couple of weeks ago, Kelly came to me and she told me the number. And I went, no, nah, I mean, you're joking, right? Like, there's no way. She was like, no, I'm serious. I feel like God told us that's what we need to begin to give. And you guys have heard me say this, and I want to say it to you again this morning. It is not the number that makes it sacrificial giving. It is what you have to sacrifice is what makes it sacrificial giving. So I want to challenge every one of you. I just want to challenge you to step in and see what God would do through your giving. And I want to illustrate it in this one little bitty way. If you currently give right now, here's the thought, okay? Here's the thought. And I know this is a stretch, and many of you are going to immediately go, no, 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 it's not possible. But I just, want, I just want to give you a thought. What if every single person who is in this church prayed about doubling their giving? Now, for many of you, you're like, man, that's crazy. Like, there's no way that could happen. But watch this little, simple, tiny illustration. If 30 people in this church right now gave $100 a month, that's three grand. Do you know what could happen if 30 people decide we're going to double our giving and go to $200 a month? More resources to resource parents. More resources to, to use 
to invest in the lives of kids all over this church. More opportunities to create discipleship platforms and events and opportunities to engage with adults. God can use your irrational generosity in significant ways. And so I want you to pray about that. And speaking of prayer, the third one is this, is pray. That's the third piece, is pray. Prayer will cost you something, I promise you, because when you begin to pray, God will begin to show you what you need to do. That is oftentimes what happens in my prayer life, is I'm coming to God telling God what I think he needs to do, and what God begins to do is actually take that and begin to show me what I need to do. So prayer may sound cheap when you start talking about sacrificing time and start talking about sacrificing finances, but I promise you this, if you make a commitment to begin to pray, it will challenge your life in really, really, really strong ways. But I want to give you a few things to pray about. First one is this, I want you to pray for your leaders. I want you to pray for your staff. We are about two miles away from the new high school coming and opening up in about 40, in about 60, 70 days. Pray for that new high school and the thousands of students and teachers that will walk those halls and here's the the other thing I want you to pray about when you leave today I want everybody to turn out of Collierville Road and I want you to go east don't go west if that's where you live you can make the loop I want you to go east and the first street you're going to come to is Fletcher and I want you to go south on Fletcher and I want you to go about two miles south on Fletcher maybe a mile south on Fletcher and you know what you're going to see homes being built all over the place. And then I want you to make a U-turn. I want you to make the big loop and go down to Bahelia Road and then come back down Carville Arlington. And what you're going to see is you're going to see clearings everywhere because they're putting in hundreds of new homes literally in our backyard. And new homes means new families. And new families means an opportunity to impact new people with the message and the hope of Jesus Christ. So I want you guys to begin to pray about that. I want you guys to begin to carry that. I want you guys to begin to think about that. Why? Because Jesus said these words. If any of you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. And the last piece of our vision is this, and we're going to close with this. And I've spent the entire series talking about this piece And so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it this morning. But what I do want you to see is I do want you to see the context of where this last statement came from. The context of this last statement. We will sacrifice everything we can't keep to make a lasting impact on a generation we may not see. I want you to see the context where this comes from. Psalm 78 Verses 1 through 8, it says this. Oh, my people, listen to my instructions. Open your ears to what I'm saying. For I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past, stories we have heard and known, stories our ancestors have handed down to us. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of our Lord, about his power and about his mighty wonders. For he issued his laws to Jacob. He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach their children 
So the next generation might know them. And check this out. Even the children not yet born. And they in turn will teach their own children. So each generation should set its hope anew. Man, if there's anything our generation and the younger generations coming after us need, the school shootings we saw this week, if there's anything our generation and the generation coming after us needs, is it needs their hope set anew on God. Not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. Then they will not be like their ancestors. Stubborn, rebellious, and unfaithful. Refusing to give their hearts to God. So here's the challenge that comes out of that is this. The faith of the next generation is our responsibility to shape. The faith of the next generation is our responsibility as parents, as grandparents, as aunts, as uncles, as cousins, as what I said earlier in the series, as step-in parents, many of you as spiritual parents, as small group leaders, as people that stand at the doors and you're the first impression, you're the first smile, you're the first taste of Jesus that some people get to experience in their life. It is our responsibility to shape the faith of the next generation. We will sacrifice everything we can't keep to make a lasting impact on a generation we may not see. Let's pray together.